Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Season 2 of Beyond Study Abroad, the official Notre Dame Study Abroad podcast. This week, we sat down with recent Notre Dame graduate Madeline Link to talk about her multiple summer experiences abroad, as well as her experience being a visually impaired student. Welcome back, everybody, to this week's episode of Beyond Study Abroad, the official Notre Dame Study Abroad podcast. Uh, this week, I'm joined by Madeline Link. So, Madeline, if you could give us a quick Notre Dame intro and just tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Well, thank you so much for having me on this morning. My name is Maddie Link. I am originally from Allentown, Pennsylvania. I completed my undergraduate degree in 2020. As an undergrad, I lived in Lyons Hall, best hall on campus. I was a double major in history and theology with a minor in Italian, and uh, I'm actually back at Notre Dame now pursuing a master's degree in theology and MTS, Master's of Theological Study, and I'm hoping to apply to the PhD program here in medieval studies next year um, upon the conclusion of my program. My study abroad experience was a bit unorthodox, I suppose you could say, as an undergrad in that um, I didn't do the traditional semester abroad. Um, Rather, I did two summer study abroad programs through uh, ND International, Jerusalem in 2017 and Rome in 2018, um, and had the chance actually to go abroad two additional times um, for a study pilgrimage in Poland in 2018 over fall break and a choir tour and pilgrimage to Peru in spring of 2019. Um, So lots of great places and experiences to talk about. Um, I guess another sort of facet of my experience as a student and as a traveler, because that's what we're talking about this morning, um, is that I am severely visually impaired. Um, so we can talk about that if you'd like and all the great ways in which uh, the Sarah Bay Center here on campus has supported me and um, my experience traveling as uh, somebody who's quite significantly legally blind. Well, that's awesome. I, I think you've really kind of taken the arts and letters, uh, study everything, do anything and maybe even study everywhere. I think you maybe took that part of it too. Um, <laughs> I tried, yeah, it's a great motto. Um, yeah, that's really, really fascinating how many different opportunities abroad you've been able to take advantage of. I was wondering if you could start a little bit by telling us about your experience in Jerusalem and how that relates to your theology studies. It was an absolutely incredible experience. And I think the Notre Dame program does a really good job of tying in all of the facets and challenges that come with being in a place like the Holy Land. Yes, it is the cradle of our faith, um, and that is a vital part of the experience, but it is also the cradle of two other world religions, right? So we have to be mindful of that and and open to um, experiencing the lives of um, our Jewish and Muslim brothers and sisters who also find the the larger area in Jerusalem, especially as sort of the the pinnacle, physical, geographical pinnacle of their faith. And it's also a hotly contested geopolitical region. So being aware of of the immense pain and loss um, 
the, the Jewish people experienced that uh, was one of the motivating factors behind establishing the nation state of Israel, um, while also not forgetting um, the Palestinian communities who still struggle with displacement and annexation of their lands as well. Um, and I think the, the Notre Dame program does a really good job of bringing in all of those things um, through their choices of tour guides and their choices of sort of field trip on-site locations, the connections with NGOs that the university has established. Even our home at the Tantor Ecumenical Institute is, is so central in Jerusalem and a place where scholars from all over the world gather and study and live in community and live with the community around the Institute. So I think from that perspective, the program was phenomenal. For me, I, I'm really interested in the way that different religions dialogue and also being in the Holy Land, you know, as, as a theology major and as a person of faith was really, really powerful for me. Um, so I think the trip really accomplished all of those things very well. That sounds incredible. And that actually leads really well to my next question. You talked a little bit about being a person of faith in the Holy Land. And I wanted to know out of like all your really diverse and interesting abroad experiences, what made you decide to study in Jerusalem um, as opposed to the other study abroad programs you were like exposed to? Um, so Jerusalem was actually the first one I did. Um, I went the summer between my freshman and sophomore year. So it was very early on and uh, it was somewhere I'd always wanted to go. But, you know, wanted to, given the, the challenges of being in that region, you know, would have wanted to go with somebody very reputable. <laughs> um, and so when I saw, you know, my little freshman me saw that this was something that was available to me, I was, I didn't even think about doing any others that first summer. I was so, so excited by this opportunity. Mm -hmm. um, and the, the course that you take while you're there of course, you're not just like going on field trips to cool places, you do have to do work, um, is called, I'm going to get this backward, Three Faiths, Two Peoples, yes. Um, so I think the course also does a really good job of sort of presenting the, the challenges and the rich history of the region. Um, but yeah, that was the first one I did, and, and I was so excited about it because I, it, I assumed that it would do all the things that I just said it did, and I was not disappointed. That's really incredible. Um, I also wanted to ask, um, you've been, again, mentioned that you've studied abroad in like a number of different international contexts. And so um, I just want to know if you could tell us a little bit about like each of those experiences, just a little bit and how they're related to each other. For sure. So I, I think the, the Jerusalem one I've pretty thoroughly covered. Um, I think both from a sort of political science-y perspective and of course, from a theological perspective, um, it was incredibly eye-opening. I think uh, two of the experiences from that trip that most sort of stood out to me. Um, first, um, being able to see the refugee settlements where the Palestinian communities live around Bethlehem um, was really, really powerful seeing how, how much poverty and how much loss and difficulty kind of characterizes their experience and yet how welcoming and positive they were, how eager they were to share what little they had with us um, in terms of food and in terms of community. Um, just to see people living, you know, by, by American standards in, in such extreme, extreme poverty and yet to see how 
how much life they had. Um, and I think I had a similar experience um, there in Peru as well, which I'll, I'll get to in a moment. Um, and then my other really powerful experience in Jerusalem um, was being able to spend a night in the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. So the, the church is open to 15 pilgrims from each of the five represented uh, Christian churches. And um, those people can go kind of wherever they please within the church and pray. Um, and it's, it's kept very quiet. Um, and you can just sort of be there and meditate in, in the place where our Lord suffered and died and rose again. Um, you just feel really connected to that. So that, that, those were sort of the two, I think, pinnacle experiences from that trip, which was phenomenal all the way around for sure. Um, and then Rome, um, again, you know, there's an absolutely a theology perspective to it and, and a history as well. That was my other major. Um, so the course I took there was really focused on the history of Rome through its art and architecture primarily. Um, so we got to go everywhere from the Colosseum to the Vatican um, to also some of the more modern monuments of Rome's history as the capital of the nation state of Italy, which despite its long, long history has actually only been unified the way we know it uh, since the late 19th century. So it was really cool to see sort of the, the long trajectory of Roman history kind of all also available in this city, everything from, from the ancient empire and republic to um, its continued existence as, as the kind of capital of uh, global Catholicism um, through its now sort of modern function as, as a global, more secular capital. Um, and then the other course that I took while I was in Rome focused on the refugee crisis, which is a very big deal in Italy and, and doesn't always get a lot of press here. Um, but there are a lot of religious organizations within Rome, particularly and within Italy more broadly, that work to welcome refugees and kind of get them set up with housing and jobs and opportunities and food. Um, and so we, we had the opportunity to visit some of those, including one that's um, run through the Vatican, as well as um, the sisters. Uh, the order that Mother Teresa founded um, and actually do some community service for them in um, their building where they work with the refugees. So that was that was a really powerful experience as well. And then um, outside of the classes, getting to, to live in Rome, really, I was there for five weeks. So to sort of immerse myself in the culture of the city, to practice my Italian, um, which was awesome, to eat lots of good food, um, and to see a lot of churches. I made a point of trying to get to all four uh, papal archbasilicas, which I did. Um, got to attend mass only in one of them, so got to go back and do the rest, but um, there's so, so much to offer in Rome. It is inexhaustible in the museums as well. Um, so much art and history there, so, so much to do. <laughs> um, that was a phenomenal experience. Um, and then Poland was a bit of a shorter term study abroad trip. So it was a, a study pilgrimage and it was led by Professor Fagerberg in our theology department. Um, so we spent half of the week, uh, it was over a fall break um, in Lublin, Poland where the Catholic University of Lublin is based which is um, one of the oldest Catholic universities in Eastern Europe and one of 
like I think the only one that was not shut down when Poland was under uh, the Soviet regime. <clears throat> um, so really important sort of bastion of Catholic education there. And also um, where a much, much younger, not yet Pope John Paul II was on the faculty. Um, so we actually got to have our lectures in the classroom where he taught, um, which is now used for special events. So that was absolutely incredible to be in a space where a saint was um, and to learn about the history of Poland, the life of John Paul II, um, got to see a lot of sort of the religious and historical um, dimensions of Poland. So we visited two concentration camp sites, um, which was really hard and really important to see um, the legacy of of the awful events of the 1930s and 40s, um, as well as the museum dedicated to John Paul II in his hometown of Varevice, which was probably one of the best curated museums I've ever been to, and I've been to a lot of museums. Um, the Divine Mercy Shrine, uh, where Sister Faustina had her, her vision of the beautiful Divine Mercy image. Um, and the, the Our Lady of Czestochowa icon, so the, the Black Madonna that's so important in Polish religious life and culture. Um, we got to see her and, and to have mass there in the chapel where that icon is. Um, so just so, so much um, history and culture and faith packed into that week. Um, and then finally, Peru was um, a choir tour with the former Women's Liturgical Choir, now Magnificat Choir. Um, and it was our first international tour in a, in a long time. Um, and we, we did it through a partnership with the Holy Cross Mission Center, um, which operates a parish and a number of um, facilities to assist the poor in a neighborhood of Lima called Canto Grande. Um, so we stayed actually in the retreat center that the Holy Cross runs there. And from there, um, at the end of the week, we gave a big concert there, um, but then all throughout the week, we visited the, the different ministries that Holy Cross supports, um, a center for individuals with disabilities of all kinds, um, all of the local chapels. We were able to do some service repainting one of those chapels and kind of cleaning it up to make it usable for the community, um, and then visiting sort of the the heart of Lima where the cathedral is and the tombs of uh, St. Rose of Lima and St. Martin de Porres. That's incredible. I mean, I'm really glad I asked you that question. Um, <laughs> it sounds like you had like so many really unique and powerful different experiences that you could never replicate. I think it sounds like you really took advantage of all those different opportunities abroad. So yeah, thank you so much for answering that. Um, yeah, I guess... yeah, of course. That was a lengthy answer, but I think I think that's right. Notre Dame gives us so many opportunities to interact with people all over the world, and I, I think that is as fundamental as fundamental a part of our education as um, the wonderful education we get here in our classrooms. So moving on, I am going to shift gears a little bit. Um, you mentioned at the beginning of this interview that you um, are visually impaired, and I wanted to know. I would imagine that has caused some like unique experiences, but also maybe hurdles for you in your study abroad process or even just being a student. And so I wanna know if you would be comfortable telling us about 
this aspect of your identity and how that influenced your time abroad? Yeah, of course. Um, so I, for a little bit of background, I suppose um, I have a genetic condition um, that that is the cause of my uh, vision loss. Um, and they are doing some exciting uh, gene therapy research now on that, um, which is which is wonderful to to see and to be a part of. But um, I've had this condition my whole life, and it's it's stayed relatively stable, thankfully. But I am um, a braille writer and reader, for example. Um, and one of the sort of things that this condition does um, is it means that I can't see really at all in like like bright light like outdoors, especially um, on a sunny day, I cannot see anything at all. Um, so that was definitely uh, a major sort of experience uh, factor in my, my time abroad. Um, but just huge shout out to the Sarah Bay Center here on campus um, for all the work that they did to make my study abroad experiences possible and comfortable and seamless. Um, in preparing all of the reading materials for the courses I took abroad to make sure I had those in advance. Um, and then also matching me up with another student on the trip to sort of serve as a sighted guide for me. Um, I was a guide dog user in undergrad. I did not bring my dog on any of my international experiences. Um, all different countries in the world have varying levels of support and welcome for service animals. Um, so that's something to be aware of if anyone listening is thinking about traveling with a service animal, it, it's doable, but it's usually a very lengthy process and uh, uh, taxing on the animal as well. I mean, a lot of the places that I traveled to are pretty far away, pretty long flights. I had a big dog. Um, it, it just wouldn't have been feasible or comfortable for him either. So I worked with a sighted guide on all of my trips, which actually, it was a great way to meet people and make friends. So like I said, in, in the Jerusalem program, I didn't know anyone else going. Um, so being matched up with a sighted guide was a really great way for me to kind of go in with a friend um, and then to branch out from there and be able to meet and know the other people um, on, on the trip. So that was, was a really great experience and definitely uh, helped me make some new friends. Awesome. Um, and you talked a little bit about this um, when you talked about your service animal, but I wanted to know if there's any other just things that people who might also identify as visually impaired should keep in mind in studying abroad um, or just anything they could, should consider in that, that kind of decision-making process. Definitely. Yeah. So I, I did actually look into doing a semester long program and, and it wouldn't have worked for a number of reasons. One of the, the big ones as I've already said, was my dog um, and figuring out how I was going to get him to Italy and uh, get his food to Italy and all those types of things. And if you've ever been to Italy, everything there is very, very cramped and he is a very big dog. So it, it just wouldn't have been feasible for me to really take him for months. Um, and I would have really missed him. And that would have been bad for his training as well, not having it be enforced for an entire semester. So that was a major factor for me in not going. The other, um, as, as I learned, was that the program I was looking into doing abroad um, was in Rome. And um, it was a dual enrollment program. So I would have been taking some classes at the Notre Dame Global Gateway and others through uh, John Cabot University in Rome. And because of that, 
um, the Sarah Bay Center couldn't guarantee that I would be able to get all the reading materials for my John Cabot classes because um, that was out of their their sphere. Um, and that that was something that I absolutely considered. I did not want to get over there and find out that, you know, I'm trying to figure out how to get my readings. I'm trying to, you know, communicate to people in Italian um, what I need. <laughs> it just, it seemed like a lot of, of maybe unnecessary complication, whereas the summer program was still a great way to live in Rome, take some classes, experience the city. Um, not spend as much time away from my dog um, because they were all Notre Dame classes. I knew I was gonna be very well supported in all of them. Um, so that was definitely a thing to keep in mind. The other with the Rome program in particular, if, if you are um, in any way maybe challenged with mobility is that uh, Rome you know, is a city that's built in layers, right? So there's not really any convenient way to get anywhere. Um, and it would have ended up being a 40 minute walk for me to get to John Cabot University. There was kind of no way around that. Um, and it would have been a lot, you know, for me to learn how to do with a white cane and or a lot to ask of a, another student, a sighted guide. So um, that's something to keep in mind as well. Um, if you have any sort of mobility challenge, Realm is not, they're getting better, but it's it's not really designed, unfortunately, for that. Right, I mean, it sounds like there's so much that you have to be cognizant of before you can even make that decision. Yeah, yeah, but um, it's good to know. And we have amazing resources here in uh, the ND International Office and the Sarah Bay Center. Um, you know, they want people to go abroad. They want people to learn. And uh, my experience has been, they've always been willing to go above and beyond to make that possible um, and to make sure that I have as rich an experience as my sighted peers on the trips. I mean, that's incredible. I mean, it's really great that this, you know, Sarah B Center was able to accommodate and, and whatever capacity they could, you know, your ability to go abroad. I did want to ask, you talked a lot uh, about the different abroad experiences you've had. And I just wondered how those experiences have helped you understand your identity in a global context. Um, just as a citizen, like just what your experiences abroad have uh, kind of helped you learn about how you fit into the world? Oh, that's such a good question. Um, I think first and foremost, how blessed and privileged we are as Americans. Um, you know, in, in especially um, in today's context, in Israel, Palestine, and in Peru, um, there are people living in extreme poverty, um, physical sort of, of poverty. And what I learned from them both was how much joy they still found in life, how important things like their faith and their communities and their families were. Um, and I think that's maybe a lesson that I tried to bring back here, you know, in somewhere where I have things like hot water and uh, air conditioning, for example, um, a room that I can go into and close the door and not talk to anyone if I don't want to. Um, somewhere where we're so materially blessed, I think it's important that we keep in mind that that's not always the answer and it's not always the 
most important, it isn't the most important thing. Um, and that we, we all could stand to learn, hey, sort of how fortunate we are <laughs> in our, our material abundance and be even more so how important it is, I think, to really connect deeply and meaningfully and intentionally with family and community. Um, to be welcoming, to be open-minded, to be positive. Um, yeah, I think that's really something that, that I took away really powerfully from that. And then I, I guess the other sort of connected to that um, is how fortunate we are to be somewhere where, you know, we can worship as we please you know, hopefully without being persecuted or threatened. Um, we can walk down the street whenever we'd like. Um, yeah, there are people around the world who, who don't have those small and fundamental luxuries. And I think it's really important that um, we give those people a voice here. That's a really beautiful answer. Um... I'm, I'm, you know, I'm sure that setting abroad in a context where those liberties aren't a guarantee that they're afforded, you know, is really, really like powerful. Yeah, yeah, definitely, um, definitely mind opening and uh, gratitude inducing. <laughs> right, right. Um, and I guess this is my final question. Um, do you have any advice for future students to make, be considering study abroad, whether it was in your program, summer programs, semester long programs? Um, if you could give any piece of advice to these students, uh, what would it be? Uh, definitely do it if you're on the fence. It's an incredible opportunity. And I think there's really something to be said for going with a university-based program. Um, it will be an incredibly rich experience. You will have access to all kinds of resources and opportunities that you might not have if you go as a tourist. Um, you know, for example, in, in Israel, which I think is a, a bit of a special case maybe, but we got to meet with so many leaders and NGOs, um, political leaders, religious leaders, you know, those sorts of things wouldn't be available to, you know, just anyone making that trip. So I think to have sort of a really full experience, even if it's just the summer, Definitely, definitely do it with the university. Do it now um, and really try to immerse yourself in, in the environment in which you are. Don't stay. Uh, our facilities abroad are beautiful. Every one of them. <laughs> Don't stay in them. <laughs> Go out and explore. Explore the city you're in. Meet people. Um, if you speak the language, try. Um, get better, don't be afraid to mess up. Um, it really means a lot to people, I think in a lot of contexts abroad, if you at least try um, to speak their language and don't just assume that they speak English, though many do. Um, yeah, look for ways to really connect with people. Um, I think, you know, in Israel, especially, um, and in Poland, we had the opportunity to share a meal with uh, locals, which was, so cool um and just like to learn about their experiences um again that's ex something that you might not have access to as as just a tourist if you go later and then finally you know i think it really is um incredibly broadening of our horizons like those are experiences that that you'll carry with you for the rest of your life that you'll take back into the classroom here um 
and beyond it that you'll take when you travel again. I think it makes us more informed, thoughtful, aware, considerate travelers to have an experience abroad. Um, I think it makes us more aware of how big the world is and yet maybe how much actually we all have in common. That is a fantastic, fantastic answer. Um, and really great kind of call to, you know, people that might be on the fence about going abroad. So thank you so much for sitting down today and answering all these questions. I really appreciate you taking your time to, to be here with us and share your story with uh, our listeners. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I, I loved all of my study abroad experiences. And, and I think also like, while our semester programs are an incredible opportunity, like don't, don't write off the summer ones. They actually let you explore a lot of different places. I'm so thankful um, that I've really, I mean, been able to travel in my, my study abroad with Notre Dame to three continents. Um, it was really impactful. So I think definitely taking advantage of even the shorter length programs um, can be an incredible way to, to get a study abroad into either a, a busy academic year schedule or even just you know a way to, to do it without the commitment of moving to another country for three months. Great, yeah, just thank you again for your time this morning and uh, for having me on. This was, was a great opportunity to share my experiences. I think they were uh, really foundational to my time at Notre Dame. And uh, you know, I hope that my, my experiences can be helpful to someone listening and um, go travel. The world's a beautiful place. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Beyond Study Abroad. We'll be back in two weeks with a new episode. Make sure to follow our social pages. See you all in two weeks.